Well, I think I have isolated the actual reason why it took me so long to sit down and record this. I cannot find the hoodly watsits to plug in my fancy pants podcast mic. I suspect that is what took so long <laughs> for this to happen. I've been thinking about this podcast for most of this year and thinking about what I wanted to do with it. Did I want to just never come back and quietly uh, drift off into the backstage ride? Or did I want to reanimate it? What did I want to do? Same format, different format. Last year, after 10 years of recording the podcast Galactic Suburbia, of which I was a third, technically a quarter if you count our silent producer, we ended the regular recordings of that show. And I just... The whole time since we finished that, I've been thinking about what did I want to do next. I just felt like I wanted to have some other project. I want to change up this podcast a bit. I'm going to keep the name and I still want to keep the focus to do with having a discussion about craft. I want to move this into a bit more of a personal space. Uh, I really miss personal blogs and live journal and... For all this time, I've been trying to find a different way or a different platform to have the same thing, which was this being open and honest and discussing life. And sometimes I use my personal Facebook page for that. Sometimes I don't. You know, sometimes I do post things there, but not not everything. And Twitter is its own beast. I tried blogging for a while, but I just don't like the way WordPress works with comments, basically doesn't really allow for discussions in the way that LiveJournal did. I'm still in the Slack. If you've never heard of Slack, it's like a networking app that you can access on your laptop. doesn't have to just be on your phone. You have to get an invite into those spaces and there's various channels that you can join and discuss whatever that channel is about in that space. I like Slack. I find it also a bit cacophonous in terms of it's a lot more like Twitter and talking in a loud, busy bar than it is necessarily having a chat, an ongoing discussion about one thing. So, yeah, I am going to try this. I know that I have quite a select audience and so I'm going to try just talking at my computer and, and see how that goes. I'm still going to maintain my Facebook page if you want to come past and have a conversation with me. Maybe that's going to be the best place. Uh, I haven't left Ravelry, but I'm sort of observing what's going on on Ravelry from a distance. Probably Facebook is going to be the best place. But, you know, you can always email me if you want to drop a chat as well. Um, I'm pretty accessible. And the other thing is that I found that, like, The original point of this podcast was a five-minute update weekly about my craft, and I think it was hard to keep to five minutes, but also then it was hard for every week to come up with something new. So I'm not committing to this being a weekly episode. It might be when I want to talk about stuff, or uh, I will at least try to go, you know, once a month at the minimum. My craft moves slowly in terms of producing finished items, you might have noticed. 
Anyway, so I have actually prepared notes for this. <laughs> it's October the 13th in 2020, which doesn't really mean anything because this year is just outrageous. I know that for everyone, I haven't found anybody who has found 2020 not to be the hardest and most challenging year. And that's not just in terms of everything that we're all collectively experiencing. I feel like everybody has had a lot of other personal discrete stuff going on, which has made it hard to just keep your head above water or to run a regular life or keep up with other people and so on. It's just been um, a trip and a half. For me, we moved back home. We were in Canberra for my husband's work for two years and we moved back to our hometown in Western Australia at the beginning of this year and it was just after New Year's that we moved. I was pretty excited about it to finally be coming home and we had bought a house right near where I grew up and quite near my parents and my sister and not that far from my husband's parents compared to us living an hour away when we last lived here. So I was looking forward to this new house that we bought. It was the first house that I'd ever gone house hunting for. I technically put an offer on this house before my husband had seen it. I was here for three weeks in the middle of last year and uh, did some house hunting with my father-in-law and we found this one and it was one of those, this is a really good price for the area and for what it is and we really need to snap it up now. And so I did. But my husband's pretty laid back and doesn't have that many demanding needs. So, yeah, uh, I bought a house without him seeing it first. I'm really happy and I was really looking forward to, to moving in here. We had three weeks in January where we were living in a serviced apartment because that's how long it takes for your house contents to arrive across the country. It took one week going east, three weeks coming west. And I had thought, oh, yeah, yeah, no probs. Um, I'll pack up a ton of work, three weeks, heaps of time. It's a two-bedroom two service department. So, yeah, me and the kids, no car. I'm going to get tons of work done. Because I apparently live in some alternate universe where that actually would have happened. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, <laughs> we, we were staying in apartments right opposite Ikea. I visited Ikea quite a bit. That's its own kind of bizarro world. But eventually I got to the end of my tether with being trapped in a hotel room with two kids. And we started just taking a taxi to my mum's, whereupon I discovered my mum had been working pretty hard on building her fabric stash and her pattern stash and her sewing supplies and so I spent that last week that we were in service departments trying to create some kind of order shall we say in that it's pretty full on I probably spent I don't know 50 60 hours on it didn't finish it but then our our house arrived my husband took two days off work they call it downlift where men speedily unpack a truck of your stuff. I think I had two trucks. When we moved east, our house basically took up two and a half sea containers. You know, technically three sea containers. It was the most that the guys who packed my house had ever seen. 
and they were very disproving of the amount of possessions that I had. And so I spent most of the two years in Canberra trying to downsize and then I did it really hardcore in that final month and I did get rid of a lot of stuff. My husband wasn't that keen on getting rid of anything of his so I was limited by how much I could actually downsize. But I, I, I worked pretty hard and I counted all my items and then I wanted to see how many items I was coming back and whatever. But I did actually uh, fit in two sea containers and two trucks worth on the way back. So I was pretty happy that I had actually downsized in some kind of measurable way. But anyway, then they unpack two sea containers of boxes in your house plus your furniture and then in order to be covered by insurance they have to unpack all the breakables before they leave which means that basically your whole kitchen gets unpacked in and amongst that and then just laid out somewhere flat it's chaos pretty much and then somehow you're supposed to unpack into a completely filled room of stuff I had this plan of wanting to have my house set up as quickly as possible and had asked a few friends to come different days to help me do that and I was really lucky that I had a couple of friends who did come and do that because I wouldn't have gotten as far along as I did which in the end was a completely unpacked kitchen that was very workable and then a few other things well unpacked and sort of livable. But a week after downlift, basically, my mum took gravely ill, not COVID. It was right before COVID and it was just this freak thing, one of those one in a thousand, one in 10,000 times something goes wrong that's pretty ordinary and standard and it went wrong for her and then she reacted to different antibiotics and so on and everything escalated and it was really quite hardcore because even though she was in a hospital when I went to visit her one of the days it was really clear that she was that something had gone horribly wrong and and nobody was really that worried about it but she couldn't she couldn't stay awake and she was slurring like she'd had a stroke or something and it wasn't unless myself and my sister started kicking up a fuss that we managed to escalate this and and she ended up getting rushed to a different hospital and in into ICU and her kidneys had actually shut down um so it was it was pretty hardcore she was in ICU and and it took a really long time um thank god she is better now but she was about 16 weeks in hospital I think and COVID hit while that was happening so at some point I had been trying to get her well enough before COVID kind of hit us because she was in the hospital where our COVID patients would go and I just wanted her to at least be at a rehab hospital or something but at some point during that my sister and I who have autoimmune diseases had to make calls about when we could no longer when we thought it was no longer safe for us to to go and see her and also about limiting any exposure that she might have if we had gotten infected or so, you know, like just trying to like limit both the risk to us and the risk to her. And so there was a period there where we couldn't go and visit her anymore. And that was um, very stressful and upsetting. She wasn't even able to answer her phone for a while. It was definitely a week there where 
we weren't sure what was going to happen and we weren't sure if that was the last time we'd ever spoken to her and then there was no you know I'd go to ask her a question or see something funny on the internet that I'd want to show her or whatever and I couldn't because she wasn't conscious and I didn't know if she ever would be again and it was it was a really really tough time so all that happened and while all that's happening our kids started school so our eldest started year one which was super exciting and our youngest started kindy which was equally super exciting I was disappointed because I'd been led to believe that this was going to be earth shattering changing in terms of my available time and that didn't happen (laughs) especially because for kindy I sent him for two half days so he was only there full time three days a week and just going back and forward all the time to school to pick him up or to pick up the other one and it was after school activities and stuff so it was a lot also juggling my mum in hospital but that was all very exciting until COVID hit and then we pulled them out of school well I pulled them out of school before the end of that term and then we were all in lockdown so it's been a wild wild ride and right now my husband is away he was supposed to be away for half the year for work but because of COVID that ended up being around three months so I'm sort of like two-thirds of the way into that which brings you up to date to my 2020 and you know just talking to other people I know that that's actually not that outrageous a story compared to you know what everybody else is doing and I feel really lucky and blessed but also guilty in that where I live, we we had the ability to exert a hard border on our state. Western Australia is a very large state and has a very clear border that basically borders desert. So it's quite easy to shut down travel and, and, and people don't tend to, to go by car. I mean, we have transport for food and supplies and stuff, but you would tend to fly. And so we shut down our borders pretty hard. And not too long into the um, pandemic, we were in lockdown and were able to stem the flow of new introductions of COVID. And so then it was just a matter of getting on top of the cases that were here. And thankfully, we didn't have that many who were seriously ill. We were able to get in control of that. And so we still have our hard border up. We still have that final stage of restrictions before it gets lifted. So you can't have a full stadium of people attending something and we still have our two meter square social distancing limit in place which just means that whenever you're running an event or something you might have to apply for permission and have show that you can meet all the um, restrictions and guidelines for for COVID but we haven't had thank god community transmission in our state for like 130 days so It's hard because we have a lot of this kind of policies and restrictions, but at the same time, we're aware that it's really unlikely that COVID is around. So people are quite casual about that. And so it's also like it'll only take one case getting out into our community for it to take off again because we are not wearing masks and we I suspect people aren't washing their hands as much as they should be and so on so who knows 
what's going to happen going forward but my kids were able to attend school in person for term three and they started back for term four this week I had them home for two weeks only and was at my wits end I really feel for everybody else who still has their kids at home because I could only do the two weeks before I was really ready for them to go back And the other thing is that we started, you know, after school activities yesterday and it was so fantastic for them. And I, I feel lucky and blessed that my kids are able to do that. And I also am thinking of everybody else in the world who can't do that right now. Um, It's this bittersweet, we're in this bubble where we get to just go on like it's not happening. And yet it is happening and it's really terrible for a lot of people. Before I start talking about craft... I've been thinking a lot about feminism this year and I've been thinking a lot about the sacrifices, the sacrifices that I make even though I supposedly am a feminist. Let me put it that way. Obviously my husband is considered an essential worker and so he worked the entire time during the pandemic and the lockdown so my house technically wasn't locked down and that's one of the reasons why I decided not to go visit my mum anymore because we weren't really isolated and neither was whoever my husband was coming in contact with at work. The obvious choice for staying at home during lockdown and for doing homeschooling and for looking after the children and so on was me. My husband was working very long hours because he's in a particularly high-pressure job at the moment. It was still on me to do a lot of the housekeeping and the homeschooling and the entertaining of the children and and so on and the getting up to deal with whatever. It's the obvious choice. But it's always the obvious choice, right? Because my husband can't make babies. So at the point at which we wanted to start a family, the obvious choice was that I would make the babies. From there, I can never really compete with him in terms of who brings in the most money and therefore the obvious choice to make the sacrifices is always me. That's that's not on him. That's just biologically I couldn't make that be anybody else. I love my children. You know, you always have to like preface that with, I love my children. I don't regret having my children and I want to be a good parent and I want to be a good role model and I want to be there for them and I want to make sure that they're loved and feel safe and are protected but the sacrifice of that is hard and it's something that I've struggled with for I guess seven years now because I have to be put on hold because I can't put any of the other things on hold and there's only so much time in the day and there's only so much energy and I remember Um, At one point early in this year, I was trying to unpack the house. I was spending all my spare time at the hospital with my mum and and my sister. And the rest was looking after the kids and getting them ready for school, taking them to school, picking them up from school and so on. That was my entire day every day. And I, I remember saying to him, I feel like nothing and no one because anybody could be doing this. Anybody could be doing my life. You could substitute in anybody else to be me and you wouldn't even notice that it was someone else because there is nothing about my life that is me. There is no part of my life that I get to just be me. 
you can't change that there's no you know it's the obvious choice it's the somebody has to do it it has to be done and it's you right and it sounds ungrateful to say that that because you know like it sounds ungrateful to say that but at the end of the day it's still really hard and we talk about the sacrifices but you don't often hear people talk about what that sacrifice feels like as though giving the sacrifice you do it whilst running through fields of daisies wearing um, you know a white veil over your head and flowers in your hair and some gorgeous perfume advert or something it's not a sacrifice unless it hurts unless you were giving something up and we never really talk about that we just call it a sacrifice and everybody nods and moves on and I feel like I feel like if you talk about what that sacrifice feels like you become a bad person so so what that means is that my PhD had to go on hold this year and I I went I took a leave of absence and I took a leave of absence pretty early on both my supervisors very supportive both of them were home homeschooling their kids and they fully understood and knew what this felt like and it was the obvious choice but you know we're not in lockdown anymore and I'm not homeschooling but my husband is away and there's no there's still no honest time to pick that up again and the same thing really happened for the publishing company and there just wasn't physically any time in any day and in any day of the week to even have enough time to sit through and have a thought to work on things and I thought a lot about what we've been talking about for 10 years 15 years about women in publishing women writers and editors and reviewers how hard it is to succeed and how hard it is to to find mentorship and so on and I thought about the women who have gone before me in science fiction publishing my press is built around wanting to support women and minority writers and provide them with the kind of workplace that is supportive of the kinds of demands on time and the kinds of timelines that are possible to produce work. Needing to take a break because you have a baby or you need to care for someone shouldn't discredit you from being able to continue building a career and that if you can't turn a book around every six months or every year, you don't get to be considered successful. You don't get a chance to write another book or so on. I've always been really fast and loose with deadlines for that reason because women can't necessarily adhere to a particular turnaround people with a chronic illness or a disability might need a large time out before they can come back and finish and to me that seems like a massive stumbling block or an obstacle in the way of people who don't suit the most convenient worker role to be successful and I've always thought that the way that we'll get real equality in the world is to really look at that nine to five, five days a week work hours and create something that's more realistic for people who, who have other demands on their time in their life. That, that that nine to five, five days a week is constructed around a person who has somebody else to run their life when they come home, there's dinner on the table, there's clean underpants in the drawer. It's not possible to be that person and also be out of the house nine to five. 
and it's been really interesting this year to watch how the world has suddenly been able to accommodate not being in the office, not having set hours, but just producing the work when you produce the work. It's been really fascinating and it's been something that I've been watching as well and maybe I'll talk about that some other time. It's hard when you are the business owner to require that kind of accommodation because you're asking people who work for you or who freelance to you or you're asking customers to cut you that slack. It's a hard ask. It's just been demoralising and that's probably a word we can all use for 2020. That's all I really want to say about that now and I definitely would love to hear what you think or how you've experienced this year or I'd love to get into conversations about this via some platform or medium. Anyway, I have been home a lot this year. Really felt like it was hard to find me or find time for me or find time to be me in this year and so when COVID first happened and we were locked down, I, I was doing so much laundry. I can't even tell you. I, I was washing everything anyway because we'd just moved. But yeah, I, I was just like doing so much laundry that there was no more laundry to physically be done eventually. And I moved on to other things. So I did not get into bread making. I wanted to get into bread making, but I did not. I did get into the indoor plant craze and I have a lot of indoor plants. Most of them are outside right now because it's actually better for plants outside than inside. I brought everything in over winter because most of my plants are more tropical, but everything's gone back outside at the moment to be in the sun. I eventually got into fruit and veg, so I have bought a couple of fruit trees. I have a lemon tree and an orange tree that I bought quite young. So the orange tree was almost just a trunk and it's now got leaves on it. My lemon tree was flowering when I bought it. I potentially didn't give it enough sun. Anyway, I remedied that and it's had lots of flowers. Maybe it has some fruit happening. I'm really not quite sure. I also want to get some apple trees. And I'm keeping everything in pots because I like to move everything around all the time, create different looks. And if something's not its best self where it is, I want to be able to move it. I've planted strawberries and I'm starting to get fruit. So I've got lots of strawberry looking green things, which maybe will soon become red strawberries. And I also got a raspberry cane. I didn't actually know that they grew on canes. I got one of those. I'm going to see how that goes. I do have some fruit on it and they might soon be red and ready to eat and I'll see how that goes. I got five pineapple plants because for some reason I also got super into bromeliads and it turns out pineapples are bromeliads and that seems deeply interesting and then I got this really good deal like I got five for three dollars or something. So I've got five pineapple plants and apparently they only take about a year to make a pineapple compared to if you take the top of a pineapple and grow that to get another pineapple. That takes about 18 months to three years or something. I will let you know. And then I just finally set up a veggie patch. So I've got tomato plants, a capsicum, cucumbers because I want to get into pickling my own cucumbers. And so I thought I might try and grow like a kajillion cucumbers. So that's sort of where I'm at. I am also into succulents. I'm, I, I've gone through some very serious phases, but that kept me really busy in lockdown. And it was also really nice to just get outside, even in an enclosed space, to just be outside for a bit. 
that's been really cool. And I've shared lots of photos of that on my Facebook personal page, but I could definitely start posting those to my podcast page to share them. I planted lots of bulbs and they are starting to come up. So I've got a couple of different kinds of liliums finally flowering, which is my favorite flower. And so that's super pretty. In this house, I finally have like my own space. It's not really a room. It's just off the hallway from the front door. And it's one of those like sort of studies which is a bench attached to a wall that could be a a workspace and I've acquired it Um, and it's a really big bench so technically it can have my publishing and office space and then craft space and I also have a tv set up in here because I wasn't allowed a tv in the bedroom which by the way has been really hilarious because then my husband told me he misses having a tv in the bedroom Anyway, so this is sort of a craft and workspace and I'm still trying to set it up in a way that is conducive to both things, one of which is work and one of which is technically relaxing and creativity. So that's still a work in progress. But I've been trying to sort out all my work in progress craft items and finish stuff before I start new stuff. half a dozen of one and six of the other as to how that's gone but when I was tidying up and unpacking my house I've been schlepping from different houses meters and meters of quilt wadding that I got on sale and are intended to go with quilt tops that I have finished quilt tops that I have finished and I have backing for and I also have wadding for and the wadding takes up so much space it takes up all the upper space in a cupboard so like above a linen cupboard all that overhead space or whatever and it's quite large and yet if it was actually inside a quilt it would be really flattened down and reduced in space and because I'm trying to get this house to be completely tidy is the goal but everything being in a place and everything having a place and moving on anything that we don't really need has been the goal for this year and so I kept looking at this wadding and thinking you know you really if you just made the quilts then this would solve this problem but the reason I haven't made the quilts is because I actually don't know how to quilt or at the time I didn't actually know how to quilt I don't know how to use a, a, a sewing machine and I don't like a sewing machine I guess because I don't really feel in control of it and mostly I don't know and I don't like it because my mother doesn't and so I've definitely just, I've just acquired her feelings about the whole thing. And I also never had her to show me how to use one. And every time somebody's tried to show me how to use one, it just does not work. I can't, it doesn't work in my brain. But, you know, I think at some point I'm going to actually have to tackle that issue, but not today. So I thought, okay, well, I'm in lockdown. What, What better time than now to learn how to hand quilt? The thing is that hand quilting takes a long time and I think it takes a really long time before you get good at it, which means that there's going to be a whole heap of quilting that's that's not good. But I decided I was just going to let myself be terrible at it. And in fact, I think I've been like quilting as though I thought that every piece that I'm going to make is going to be entered into a competition or be put on exhibit, which is ridiculous because I never enter in any competitions and I never exhibit anything so 
why don't I just let the quilting be terrible? Like there's no grade at the end of it. It's just a finished item, right? And if I do my thousands of hours, I will eventually get good at it. With that philosophy, I learned how to quilt. So I taught myself how to quilt and I have quilted one whole quilt. If you've been following me for, I don't know, 100 years, it's the monochrome tumbling blocks quilt. I quilted that and I'm halfway through a friendship quilt that I call the vaudeville quilt for no reason. Well, it makes sense to me, but anyway. And it didn't take that long for me to get much better at it. And the lot more I did it, the better I got at it. And I actually quite enjoy hand quilting now. The kicker is that they now don't make this wadding anymore for quilts. They make this really thick woolen fabric that I don't think you can hand quilt with. So now I've mastered a skill that has become redundant as far as I can tell. I am actually finishing long started projects because now that I can quilt and I'm okay with the way I quilt, I can finish these things and move on. And actually having finished items might be kind of cool. I'm not sure. I only have two finished items. That's what I've been doing. I learned how to quilt in lockdown. That's the thing that I did. The other thing is that I had to stage an intervention of some kind with my mum and her stashing because she's been stashing but not really using it and I don't think that's allowed. I I just don't think that's allowed. When we were at the beginning of lockdown, my husband bought himself, I don't know, a game. He bought the kids some books and games and he, he asked me if I needed some craft or something for lockdown. And I looked at him and I said, I'm sorry, did you think I was not prepared for the apocalypse? To which he laughed. And then he said, and your mother is prepared for a couple of apocalypses, which is true. I have challenged her to us creating our own block of the month type thing where we we choose the rules each month and I've got month in adverted commas for a reason. We either choose the same fabric and a different pattern or we choose the same pattern and different fabrics or we pick pre-cuts and decide and decide something or or not so she's she's got all kinds of things and she has fabulous taste is the problem that's very hard to choose anyway so for this month we chose the same pattern and we chose different layer cakes we each chose layer cakes so we've got different fabrics same pattern and we're facing off against each other to see what we'll do with that and She's got a friend who's come in to join us and has taken a third set of layer cakes to face off. So we're going to have the three different fabrics, same pattern. Technically, I think we agreed it was going to be a block of the month, in which case you'd be putting together a quilt of different blocks. But I have been making more than one block and I'm kind of seeing this as its own quilt. And I think she's just going to make one block a month. That's not going to use up a lot of fabric, really. And yeah, so I'll update you on how this goes. But I thought it would be fun to post uh, the different fabrics and the, and the blocks that we've chosen and, and to, to see how we go. I am quite itching to get stuck into her fabric stash, I cannot lie. But I'm not letting myself go full hog into that until I've finished, started projects of my own and then also used collections that I've bought myself that I want to use. 
I have a fear of cutting things up, but then why do you own it? You know, and is this the best way to appreciate it? I'm gearing myself up to start a few other projects and we'll see how I go with that once I've actually finished a few quilts. I'm putting the, the, bias, the bias binding on the monochrome tumbling blocks quilt. I'm a, as I said, I'm about halfway through my vaudeville uh, friendship quilt. And then the very next thing I want to do is I want to finish that kimono hexagon quilt, which is for a, it's for a wall hanging. It's basically done. I just have to finish off the edges and then quilt it. And it's not very big. So here's me saying I don't think it would take me that long to quilt. I would never have believed that I would be someone who could say that and say that about hand quilting. So 2020, weirdly weird year that is a complete trip and a half. And I hope it hasn't been all terrible for you. I hope to come back with a new episode soon and I, I look forward to hearing from you. I hope you're still crafty.